0: This is working the beat. It is Wednesday, May fifth, twenty twenty-one. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. We got a great show you on tap for you today. Can't. Our guest, uh, courtesy of the American Cancer Society, where they are starting a program um, to help cancer patients uh, stay in better physical shape. Uh, it's Pat Croce, former president of the Sixers. Uh, one of the best, um, one of the best people that you can know within Philadelphia sports. I mean his his hand is all over the place when it comes with uh, Philadelphia sports history uh, as a trainer. Obviously, the president during the Iverson era, and now again, uh, he is a uh, recovering uh, cancer patient. Uh, was diagnosed with uh, T-cell lymphoma uh, and has battled back. And now he is, uh, again, working on this workout program with the, with it's called Healed Health and Energy Through Active Living Each Day. Uh, and we'll talk to Pat about that. He has become very philosophical, uh, I've gone through an intense spiritual moment. And so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about his time with the Sixers and a lot of good memories with Pat Croce coming up in a few minutes, Mr. Kern and I, then we'll talk about a little bit of everything with sports. It's it's strange because we're post draft and everybody has had their opinions. And, you know, we, we did the first three rounds on Friday night, so I'm not going to read, I don't want to rehash the draft, but it's always interesting when you hear people talk about the draft and, Guys that they've never seen in their lives and, and you know, think they have a good idea on what happened. So I uh, you know, everybody should just hold off a little bit. You know. A lot's gonna be judged on what happened with the second round pick and whether he is whether he is able to stay healthy. And if he is, then the Eagles had a really good draft. And if he isn't, it'll be, you know, a lot of complaint about the Eagles kind of messing up a high pick in the second round. So we'll see. Uh, And Devontae Smith, obviously, is the the big key. Uh, Phillies and Sixers in center stage. Flyers are almost out of their misery at this point. So we'll talk all that at some point coming up. Next week, uh, we're back on Wednesday next week. John Kincaid, the host of the John Kincaid Show on 97.5, the Fanatic will join us uh, to talk about his move back uh, to Philadelphia after years in Atlanta, Uh, what it's been like to go in – to the morning radio awards in this city. Um, and, and just, you know, he's been here. Well, he's obviously lived here. He grew up in Delco. But just being back and what it's been like. So we'll talk to him about that. And we'll talk to him uh, about everything else going on. And then Maria Hughes in two weeks, as we talk Sixer playoffs at that point, that'll be the big story. That's the next big story. Uh, just like it was 20 years ago when the Sixers dominated – the Philadelphia airwaves No team was bigger in this town During the Iverson era One of the reasons was Pat Croce And when we come back We'll talk to the former Sixer president About his journey Where he's going And how he has now started Healed health and energy Through active living each day With the American Cancer Society That's next Work of the Beat continues right after this <music> Oh, oh,
1: oh, oh, oh,
0: One of the great success stories in Philadelphia sports history involved a, a, a guy from Delco who became trainer to the stars. It's
2: always a guy from Delco, it, Kevin. It is
0: always a guy from Delco. Trainer to the stars, Mike Schmidt, Charles Barkley, Julius Irving, you name it, uh, was part of that great 87 Flyers team as the trainer at that point, Has builds a physical therapy empire, then becomes the president of the Philadelphia 76ers, Becomes a reality show star, becomes one of the great motivational speakers of all time, and by the way, one of the best miniature golf course owners ever. I <laughs> should point out, uh, he is currently now true. he is also now a cancer survivor. Uh, he's been working with the American Cancer Society on Healed a program to encourage better physical fitness for those who are suffer from cancer. He is a true Philadelphia original. Welcome, Pat Croce, to work in the bead. How are you,
1: uh, Kevin? I feel great and good. Good seeing you too, Michael.
2: It's always good seeing anybody, Pat. And through the pandemic, you know, it's a treat. But you are you are a real treat. Trust me, my brother.
1: Thank you. And speaking of miniature golf, Kevin, I must have to say <laughs> that one of the greatest miniature golf players <laughs> is your partner there, because every year we used to have that press outing right at uh, oh. Pirate Island in Avalon.
2: All right, Pat, you can solve. Pat, you can Wait s- a minute. Before, before you do that, Kevin, my son used to circle that. We used to circle the date on the calendar about how good that day was. And then after we were done there and we ate at Sylvester's or wherever we ate, then we went up and played Pat's course in Sea Isle and Pat's course in Ocean City before we went home. <laughs> That's all right, Pat, how good it was.
0: All right, Pat. So you can solve one of the great riddles of this show's history. Uh, we had a former Sixer beat writer, Dennis Dietz, who I think you remember. Oh yeah, Delco. Delco. Dennis used to say that that Mike would cheat by bringing his own putter. Is that I true? I did bring
2: my own putter. Yes, yes no. you did. The <laughs> first, the first time I bought it because that's what I do. But after that, I didn't, I didn't use it. People were jealous. That's what it was. It was jealousy. Um. With the, it was a great day, and thank you for all those.
0: Pat, let me let me bring in uh, bring up right away the pro- the program healed. Uh, you started today. Mike Schmidt was the first one on the Zoom uh, seminar that you had. Uh, can you talk about the, the 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 basis behind the program itself?
1: For Sure, Kevin. Thank you. And yes, today was our American Cancer Society's healed. Wait, one second, Maya, Sati, enough. <laughs> Those are Pat's dogs. They're my dogs. It's like I still run a team. It just happens to be in the house. (laughs) They don't like me on Zoom. (laughs) So it's American Cancer Society's Heal Health and Energy Through Active Living Every Day. And it's a community gathering where everyone, everyone and anyone who's been touched by cancer or who's been touched by someone who's been touched by cancer is invited to come on. And you go to the website, acsheal.com. You can make a donation. $25 or whatever you want. You can write it in. And you'll get this bracelet, this bracelet with one green bead. So it demonstrates the unity. We're all in this together. And the link for every Wednesday at noon, every Wednesday at noon on the East Coast. Today we had 136 people on for the first one. And Michael Jack Schmidt was my guest, as was Dr. Erica Reese-Punia from headquarters down in Atlanta of the American Cancer Society, talking about this healed research. So the money that we're raising is going to the research. It's 400 patients, survivors of cancer and how well physical activity and an online model that they can utilize is beneficial to their body and mind. And so it's beautiful. It's a great way. The program was done in a pilot study two years ago and they ran out of funds. So when I called in January after my diagnosis and radiation, I would said I want to get back involved. I've been on like self isolation for the past five or six years so I figured well this is a great cause I think it's a calling
0: let me let me ask you about your diagnosis I mean you look I, my my father passed away with bladder cancer okay and I remember when that moment hit the mental burden fell on him and you could tell at that point it was a six-month struggle for him but you could tell at that point that the mental attitude, was almost as as critical as the physical attitude, and when he lost that mental edge, that's when the real problems happen. For you, who have been such a positive person, how critical was that positive attitude when you went through, when you're going through something like you were with your cancer diagnosis?
1: Kevin, I think it's very, very, very powerful. But I even transcended that. So for the past six years, I've been on a spiritual quest around the world, and so I've had the opportunity to meditate for the past six years. So cancer, with the diagnosis on that, it was around my birthday, my 66th birthday, past November, when the doctor called me and said the autopsy says I have cutaneous T-cell lymphoma on my chest. I thought I had poison ivy, but it wouldn't go away. No treatment would work. I said, I have cancer? She said, yes. I said, okay, what do we do about it? So, Kevin and Mike, it's, it's something that sounds surreal, but... I know it's not me. My body, yes, my body was diagnosed with cancer, but the eye that I am, the eye that looks in the mirror was not touched. What you see in the mirror was touched, but the eye, that aware presence that we all are, that I am. So to use mental toughness, mind just transcends that. My mind didn't even have to be positive because it had no effect on me. I was going to honor my incarnation with this body and do my best, whatever the doctor said. And I never stopped training, Kevin. Right. I still worked out. I still worked out in the woods up here at Meditation Hill where I live. I mean, I have 53 acres and I built three miles of trails, hand built. So, I mean, I have my own physicality. And you know me. This was yeah. all part of my life. So, to, But for everyone, I think a positive attitude and to lean on someone with a positive attitude, it elevates your vibrational energy so that you don't feel pulled into the past and regrets, or you don't get pushed, projected into the future and, oh, no, like, am I going to live? How painful is the treatment? Or what won't I be able to do compared to the past? They're all modes of suffering. And the Buddha said it, this this athlete 2,500 years ago named the Buddha said, Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. And once you can see that you don't have to suffer psychological pain, you don't have to have that. That is pure a mind game. But you can allow the mind
2: to just go. Mike? You've traveled one of the most unique journeys that any of us here on this earth are going to travel. (laughs) I mean, it just is. I remember talking to Mark Benevento a few years ago. You know, when you sort of, he said, Pat sort of retired or whatever. Did you ever wonder what the next chapter of your life is? Because you've talked about living in the now and you've lived so many chapters. Or is this just thrust upon you? Or did you, know, did you ever worry, what is Pat going to be doing at 66? I did at 60.
1: Mike, that's okay. a really good question because it was always what's next. And my wife would say, what are you chasing? Whether it was the next sports medicine center. You know, I stopped at 40 or the next six or I stopped there after five years or the next bar restaurant. You know, we had 10. I mean, it was just always what's next. And something happened in early of 2015 where my mind cracked and it was like the what's next ended up being when I went on to the quest to figure out what happened was what is wrong with now? Like now is perfect. The peace, love, and happiness that we are is now. So the answer your question, no, I never now look or the past six years never looked at what's the next chapter because the chap, I always use life as a means to an end. Now I realize the means is the end. The journey truly is the goal. right? Mm-hmm. I think it was Marcus Aurelius said, the obstacle is the way. Right here is the way. So if there are any obstacles, name is cancer, you know, back surgery neck pain, whatever it might be, okay, bring it on. Bring it on and welcome what is. That doesn't mean you can't change it, but you can't change what is. You can change it for the next step, but you first can't resist it. When you resist it, that's when suffering occurs.
2: Pat, do you ever look back, and I don't think you do because of the way you're talking, but do you ever look back and say, man, I did so many things well, but I wish I'd done that differently. Or Because we used to have some talks and you, you had told me something, I think at one point, a long time ago, you'd wished you could have taken over the Phillies. <laughs> the Phillies weren't doing well. Um, and I, we as Philadelphians can only, I mean, it's turned out well, you know, I mean, but there was a time there where we weren't sure. But is there anything in your life that you look back and say, man, if only I'd done that a little differently, or is that just wasted motion? Prior
1: to six years ago, I, I did it. But now, no. Because I, what I've realized, I've deeply understood – Mike, is that the past has served its purpose perfectly. Mm-hmm. And the three of us are together right here and now for a purpose. Everything we've done from our different paths came to this point right now, and this is all that's important, is right here,
0: right now. When you you talked about being that, that hyper, I, I, I hate using that term, but you were somebody who was always on the go. Energetic, Energetic. Energetic. Always looking for that next opportunity. Always looking for that next thing. When you have that moment, how jolting is it? When you have that moment where you're saying, whoa, you know, like, every, it makes sense now, and I don't, It does it occur in a day? Does it occur in a week? Does it, like, or does it come at you like this? Well, the crack occurred immediately.
1: Then it deepened over time to realize what happened. And it was just by chance reading this article on a way to Key West in six, January 2015, where I read an article and this one, this Pico Ayer said, most of our life occurs in our head, memory, imagination, speculation, interpretation. So if you want to change your life, you best begin by changing your mind. And I went, can you change your mind? Like, I never thought, I never gave any mind to changing my mind or even what the nature of my mind was, ever. The body, yes, I can change a body. I can change my opinion. But can you change your mind? And that led me, Kevin, to watch a TED Talk. You know what TED Talks are? On stillness. Now, why that would interest me, as you're saying, the hyper-energetic, enthusiastic personality that I am. So I watched this TED Talk, 14-minute TED Talk on stillness. And I thought he meant standing still, but it was not. Led me to a talk, another TED Talk, on mindfulness. I never even knew what the word meant. Never heard of the word before. This Andy Podicombe. Uh, An ex-Buddhist monk who you may know him because he has the meditation app called Headspace. Very, very successful. A a guided app that I recommend to people. And that led me to a third TED Talk. I was getting juiced up here because I'm learning something new. I've always been curious on happiness by a Matthew Ricard, a Frenchman, a French monk, the the interpreter for the Dalai Lama. Well, two, three years later, I I bring Diane up into the... Mountains of Bhutan, to be at a monastery (laughs) with this Matthew Ricard to spend some time with him, which was just wonderful. But that was the beginning, but that was just the crack. And then it took time to realize through meditation, the thoughts come, the thoughts go. The feelings come, the feelings go. I was used to be attached to my voice in my head. I thought that's who I was. Mm -hmm. And if you're saying what voice, that one, you know, the, the incessant, chattering in the mind and once there's nothing wrong with that unless you get attached to it and think that's your identity right so you learn through meditation that all thoughts come you let them go or let them be all feelings come all perceptions come you let them go you are that which is aware that i am aware you become and realize that's your true nature the awareness which is aware not the thoughts right not anything that's temporal Not anything that's limited. You are this unlimited, imperturbable awareness. And that's really, but that takes time. Not for everyone. Some people can have that enlightening moment and bang, that's rare. Ramana Maharshi in in India was one of them. Normally it's a, a progressive path that you take. And it, you know, what I recommend to people is the first step is to recognize the voice in your head, because if you can recognize that voice, and I, guide people to give it a name. Mine's the Mad Irishman from Braveheart. You know, that guy sitting next to... He's in the way to war paint. paint, He's next to Mel Gibson. I don't know about me, but you're... (laughs) And this Mad Irishman talks to me and says all kinds of crazy
2: stuff. Well, I just say, get out of here. I'm not sure I want to know, Pat, what the voice in my head is.
1: No, I wouldn't want to know yours either, Mike. No. (laughs) Pat,
2: do you get you always seem like a guy who got a lot of satisfaction out of whatever he was doing at that time, whether you were training people, running the Sixers, whatever it was. Do you find yourself getting as much satisfaction or, or whatever the right word is out of what you're involved in now, as you did in some of your previous endeavors?
1: Oh man, that's a great question. Really a great question, Mike, because what I get now is that satisfaction I had temporarily in those endeavors, physical therapy, working with patients or the Sixers and the fans. And I, I get that all the time now in my woodworking or calligraphy or just talking with you right now. I get the same heightened happiness, satisfaction and just being with you right now. Cause the presence doesn't have any superpositions of thoughts and past or future. It's right now when you realize that that, Those happy moments in your life aren't blocked by any time, any past or future. They're really inspirational, celebrational, uh, curiosity, humor. Everything happens in that moment. It's not about thinking about. So yes, those moments I had, which I love, I have them all the time now.
2: And Kevin, if I could just ask, sure, go ahead. Um, Pat, you work now with people who are going through cancer and and we all know you know we kevin and i have dealt with the coaches versus cancer oh yeah and and it's the stories you hear you know brings tears to your eyes a lot of times they say we're all going to be affected by this at some point whether it's going to be us or somebody we know do you think you're really going to be able to there's going to be people i guess who are going to be really helped you can't save everyone but but have you thought about that like just how um how meaningful this could be to so many people that maybe had nowhere to look to, or didn't know what direction to turn, who may be able to turn to this and, and make their lives better.
1: Michael, there's uh, one of the things you really learn through a spiritual path is to not be attached to the outcome. Do without being the doer. So it's not Pat Croce doing anything to affect the other. It's just the doing unfolding. There's a, Great. You may know the Sufi mystics, Rumi, Haviz, 13th and 14th century. Well, Haviz has a great quote that I love. I have this spiritual sangha every Sunday where hundreds come on, and I've been Zooming for two years before Zoom. And so (laughs) this quote you guys will love. I am the hole in the flute that the Christ breath moves through. Listen to this music. So I right now am the hole in the flute. I'm not the musician. I'm not even the music. But when you believe you're the musician, that's just the ego taking control. The hole in the flute right now is allowing the musician to play this music so that cancer patients, survivors, caregivers, friends, and loved ones may get touched and we can lessen their suffering in this in this experience where this cancer energy has invaded their homes.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna shift the gear a little bit. It's been 20 years. Since you guys went to the finals and you were the toast of the city. How cool was that? That was pretty cool. Rory. Rory. Um, when you look back at it, what is your number one memory of that year looking back at it? I know you're not somebody who looks in the past that often, but I mean it's it's so unique what happened that that eight, nine months. It's still there. And it's still
1: there. Yeah. I know you know what, guys, there's one. Scene that pops into my mind as soon as you say the two two thousand one series season series, it's Iverson stepping over Lou. <laughs> that's the that's the image that comes up in my head immediately, immediately. I mean, there were so many others when Iverson got the MVP. I mean, he stepped forward and got a big hug, or but that one just summed it all up. That this David. Versus this Goliath, Philadelphia versus L.A., Iverson versus Shaq. It was a great metaphor for everything. That don't count us dead. Don't I mean? And that was just a beautiful moment because I remember jumping up and yelling and screaming, pointing at Jack Nicholson. And down the row was Sharon Stone, and I'm getting in her face. Oh, and I'm oh. the only one up. Everyone else is
2: throwing crap at me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 oh, go ahead, go. no, go ahead, Mike. Now, Pat, I got to tell you, one of the great moments of my professional career, game seven against the Bucs. So I'm like the sixth or seventh guy we got down there. You know, I'm I'm the – and my job that day is to follow you around and write a story about you. And Dave Kosky had me down there three, four hours before the game. You were gracious enough. And we did – and anyway, after the game, you win. You're walking off the court because I'm down – and you had a hat on, said, I guess, Eastern Conference champs. And somebody reached down and stole the hat from you. And you stopped, you looked up, and you gave them this look. They gave you the hat back. And you smiled. And you, as you're walking towards me, you say, I would have done the same thing when I was his age. And it was the perfect <laughs> end to my story. But you were so – that was like, to me, we're going to the finals. You can't – you know, it, it just is – it's one of those moments that there's only one like it. I mean, I know we've won championships. I get it, and I know the '93 fills are still revered. But that was like that team is still looked upon as, as like you said, the team. You know, with the, the all the guys hurt at the end, and basically, yeah, you know, it, it was just a team. It's it stuck in our imagination.
1: So let me tell you what happens there, Mike. The wanting energy is so powerful in us that when the wanting energy dissolves with that wind and happy, it becomes transparent to the happiness that we truly are, and that blossoms. And it really, you get to taste the true nature of ourself at that moment. But what happens is we objectify it, and we place the happiness on the wind, as opposed to it really right. being within us. Right.
2: right.
0: Do you ever think of what a parade would have looked like for that team? Oh, yes. I had to. Kevin, I had all the flat bed
1: trucks. I had them all ordered. I had a flyover. I had contacted Rendell, the mayor at the time, to, for permission for a flyover, and it was coming from North Philadelphia because I was born around the corner from Connie Mack Stadium. It was going to be from North Philadelphia through Center City all the way down to the arena. Wow. We weren't going to start in the centers. No, I. You kidding me? And after that first win, I was on the phone with everyone from LA. I was in LA. I mean, make sure we get more flat butt, but more. Flatbedded
0: bed. Flat trucks. Did you get to? I know you had kind of removed yourself. Did you get to watch the Eagles parade? Oh yeah, I wasn't there. But no, I but them. I mean, oh, you, yeah. is that what you pictured your parade being like? No,
1: no, 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 no. It would we would still be celebrating. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I would have had the the mummers and the drum drum bait or from North Philly, those kids who do all the drum. No, it would have been, it would have, think, more like the Rose Bowl parade, but
2: Philly style. You okay. know, if you guys had won, Pat, I don't think Allen would have been ready to start the next season. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know how Allen liked to celebrate things, right? I mean, what? that would have been like a nonstop summer for the which, boy. Which,
0: which leads to part two of this question. How did you keep Allen and Larry together?
1: It was that one time, and you guys know you were around when we had to sit down. Where the night before, I think it was a loss in Detroit, and Alan called me, wanted me to fire the coach, and Larry called me, wanted me to—he's going to trade him tomorrow. <laughs> and so I said, "We'll meet in the morning." And I'm going to bed with my hair on fire. You know, jeez. And so that's when we sat down, and it, it was ugly. But I, I sat them both down. And I said, "Alan, I'm not firing the coach, and Larry, you're not trading Iverson." And I never stepped on either one of them. I was very enabling and supportive mm-hmm. to both of them because I needed them. Like, mm-hmm. I don't play basketball. I don't coach basketball. I needed them. But it was about them realizing that they're so similar, not different, similar. And as we spoke and we said, I said some things that, that I think awoke them, where you would call in Zen a satori. It was kind of like an aha moment. Oh. Because I told Alan that the coach felt disrespected. Someone that you really cared for when you MF'd him when you came off the court, when he wanted a substitution. I said, how would you feel? How would your mother feel if someone did that to her? And I said, Larry, Alan feels that you're saying sit over there, N-word, and shut up. He, he, He compared you to his jailer, white jailer. And Larry went like you could just see him like, whoa. And as I'm talking, you could see Alan from this to making his move up. And then he was arms on the table till he got all the way up and stood around and hugged him and hugged Larry Brown. And it was kind of like, oh. And that was the beginning. That was really the team then just changed entirely the dynamics of, yeah, there was still some blogs, but nothing. Like that.
0: So, so, hold on, Uh, Mike, let me ask one more question. Sure, go ahead. No, go ahead. If you stay beyond 01, could you have kept it together?
1: Oh, I could never answer that question. I answered the parade question as a hypothesis. I know. I understand.
0: I I know. But see, Kevin,
1: any question that's asked, is an answer would be pure conjecture. I can only answer in truth in the present moment. Anything out of the present moment is just an illusion, and I would just be both— B.S.
0: I, I, and that's fair. I, I'm asking because you had the one power to keep them on the same page. Well, and I then, cared
1: for both of them. I right. did care for both of them, and they knew that. And there's something about love, the commonality and the feeling of being at home when you know there's love. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Mike, I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> no, that's Kevin. That's all right. I always thought one of the most courageous things you did, and that might be the wrong word, but after your first year, you had the Kahuna's oh. to admit your mistake. Um, go in front of fans. Get rid of the coach. Get rid of the general manager. I don't remember any executive that I can remember. Maybe I'm missing that did anything like that. You know, maybe a guy was going and and you were like, no, we got to change this. And if I waited and did, did, was that a hard decision for you, or or was it something? No, I got to do this, or or I don't know.
1: The hardness came after the decision. Because I told Ed Snyder what I was going to do. And he said, no, let the general manager fire the coach. You don't want, you know, and let him take it. I said, no, I hired them both. I was the rookie president hiring the rookie GM who hired the rookie coach. And voila, we're in a mess. Yeah, we won four games more than the previous year, but that still was awful. And I didn't like the level of communication, the level of intensity, the level of camaraderie. I didn't like the discipline. You know, Derek Coleman." had run of the roost. I just, it bothered me tremendously. So to to <clears throat> dismiss both of them was not a hard decision. Hard decision now is, Michael, and you know, I don't know basketball. I don't play basketball. I don't coach basketball. Now, I'm the de facto general manager, president, and coach. I got to find someone. And mm-hmm. I, by golly, I was going after the best. If, if uh, I went after Rick Pitino, Phil Jackson, and Larry Brown. Phil said he'd be interested, but only if Michael decided not to come back. I could talk to him because we were out of the playoffs; they were still in the playoffs. But and so I can't wait. Rick Pitino was interesting. I went down to Kentucky and wooed him, and and then Larry Brown. You know, he I wouldn't let him out of the room because I know he was trying for Boston because Pitino wanted Boston. So it was right. just once I got him in a room. No, 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 you're not leaving. But but Pat, you went in front
2: of the fans. Oh yeah, that was and basically did a mea culpa and. A lot of people in that position, you know, they might have a press conference, whatever. But you basically said to the fans, hey, I screwed up. This is on me. Trust me to fix it. And I think they trusted you. That's how people felt about you, which you had a unique relationship with people.
1: Well, thank you. And that was because I said, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. And I will fix it. That's what's necessary in a true apology. Not if. I'm sorry if no. I'm sorry. I made the mistake and I will fix it. So they really knew that I took the blame because I did take the blame. I made the mistake. I didn't know. You know, I mean, I I'm, it's my rookie year in the NBA as a physical conditioning coach is one thing. As the CEO part owner, it's a totally different game. So, but you know, it was what a great learning experience, right? As I said earlier. The past has served its purpose perfectly. Sure. If that can happen, we wouldn't be talking right now. That's true.
0: Yeah, good point. I, you know, the one point I, I remember about that Larry Brown press conference, Pat, was he kept calling Ed Snyder Mister Baldwin. He did that about three <laughs> times. <You're right>. Remember? <laughs> yeah, you're right. He kept calling Ed Mister Baldwin, uh, which uh, I, I would. I, I, I you know, I got a couple questions on Twitter from people that I want to I want to float by you. Uh, that people want me to ask you. One, sure. do you keep in touch with Alan? No, I have
1: not. The last time I saw... Can you hear me? Today? Yeah, I can hear yeah. you. I okay. can. Hear. I lost you for a second. Sorry about that. Uh, the uh, last time I saw him was when I walked him out onto the court when he retired. they retired his jersey. So, no, I, I have not kept in touch. But he's not an easy one to keep in touch with. I would love to call him. i love to call him like a son, like a brother, like a best friend, but that's just not... It's- Check I'd out the
2: Fridays it. on City Avenue. Maybe you'll
1: see them there. <laughs> Is that uh, still there? Is that still it's there? It's still
0: there. <laughs> it's not open right now, but it's still there. So <laughs> um, did you and Ed Snyder, one other person texted me this. Did you and Ed Snyder ever patch fences after the your, you left the Sixers? Or the Sixers yeah, in yes, I
1: called. I called him and apologized. After I went on this path, I realized that it was my ego uh, you know, I got, I was hurt when he said, uh, I think it was Stephen A. Smith to the end of the season said, uh, What about Pat Croce's contract? He said, Well, he's like any other manager. I'll talk to him when his time's up. And I went like ballistic, like, What? I put this deal together. Why do you? And I just, it was ego. It was realized I was attached to my thoughts, Kevin. And so I, I called, but he was, at the time, he was sick in bed. And I talked to Jay and I talked to his because <laughs> I really was apologetic that, here was a mentor of mine, someone who opened the door for me for the Flyers yeah. in 1980, 81. And then come 2001, I wanted no parts of them. So that's, that, wasn't, that wasn't healthy.
0: Uh, last, mm-hmm. last one. Better underdog team. 2001 Sixers, 87 Flyers.
1: Oh, wow. 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 What a great question. Uh, I, I, oh, I! Wow, wow! Because you were around both, you were you were yeah, the trainer I was in '87. conditioning coach, yeah. and I'd have to say, you know, if, if I was just to guess, I'd say the Flyers.
2: Really? Yeah, because game, they game six, they had game fewer. six against Edmonton, right?
1: They, yeah, they had. Look at every one of their guys has his fingers are ble- are bleeding with bling. Yeah, those guys. I mean, I. Yeah, but well, now, so, are some,
0: so are some of the
1: Laker guys. Yeah, too,
0: Kobe yeah, Kobe, yeah. Kobe and Shaq were pretty good too.
1: Oh no, I know. That's like such a hard such a hard question. But I know. <laughs> it's just so difficult because I mean our teams, Philly teams played out of their mind to stay competitive and to win one game, Sixers, and we won three, two or three Great. games. You got the game seven three. and you got the yeah. game
0: seven in Edmonton, right.
1: So, yeah, I mean, it's just like – and that was with guys hurt. Yeah. <sighs> no Tim Kerr. Kerr. Tim hurt. Kerr. hurt, hurt. Yeah, mm. so that's what I'm saying. I mean, we had guys on the bench. Well, with Geiger on the bench in the other situation. But, like, wow, that's really – that's a tough question. Yeah. My, Mike, what, you want to
0: wrap it up yeah, here?
2: I, well, I, wanted, I just want to tell a quick story and, and get, get back. About five or six years ago – I'm at a temple practice. You know, we're waiting. And all of a sudden, Pat Croce shows up because I guess you had a relationship with Matt and talks to the temple kids for like 15 minutes Mm. and being Pat Croce. And I hadn't seen him in a while. And if you saw the look in the kid's eyes, do you remember that time, Pat? Oh, yeah. What a kick you get. It seems like you have a way of reaching younger people, which I think is a lost art for some of us older people. Am I right in that assumption? I couldn't, I
1: couldn't say. I just know that the kid in me flows out and they feel that. Yes. So I think that's the only thing I can say. It's not, it's not preempted. It's not choreographed. It's not planned. It's just that enthusiastic bright light just shines and people love the glow. Yeah, yeah.
0: Pat Croce, who has started with the American Cancer Society, Healed program that helps. Uh, keep- so I
1: want everyone, Kevin, you yes. and Michael, go to acshealed.com. I want you getting your bracelet. I will absolutely the, get
0: my bracelet. We
1: got to start the movement here in Philadelphia, and then we'll let it out over in Edmonton in L.A.
0: <laughs> I will absolutely, as somebody who, again, has lost the father to cancer and everything, anything we can do to help eradicate this uh, it would be so mm-hmm. beneficial for all of us
2: pat hey, pat g- give my best to your wife and your fa- and your children and i hope they're all well and um is your wife still walking the ocean city boardwalk or does oh, she walk yeah. her trails now
1: she's still well during the summertime she doesn't leave down there i have to go down there and visit her on long weekends
2: <laughs> yeah, do you remember when you i first time i saw your house when you were rehabbing your knee and you showed me the, the leg where they almost had to amputate you, and I almost fainted. It, it was unbelievable, the work you were putting into. But it didn't shock me you at know, all.
0: You know, Mike, we were going to end on such a positive note, and now we're
2: talking about him note. almost.
0: Oh, that's the true. The
2: man was in a motorcycle accident and, and survived it and rehabbed himself to be better. That is a happy moment, Kevin.
0: <laughs> that is true. Um, you guys are great. Pat, I appreciate it. Uh, we'll make sure Kern doesn't cheat on Mentric Golf next time. we the best
2: 30 minutes we've had, Pat. It Trust is. Me. Kevin. Uh, I'm sorry, Kevin. No, no. no
0: it, it has been awesome to have you here. I hope you come back at some point. Oh,
1: yeah, I would love to. I, I've been hiding out now that I've opened the doors for the Cancer Society. I mean, this has been wonderful. I, to, to dance down memory lane at the same time, to ask some intimate questions. I love the interview. Thank you. Both Th- of
0: you. Thank you. Thank you to Pat Croce. Stay we'll good, pal. And we'll be back on Working the Beat right after this. Peace. Our thanks to Pat Croce for joining us. And we've done this show now parts of three years, Mike. That may be one of my favorite interviews of all time.
2: And we've had some good ones. I oh, mean, we, we've we, had, we, had great you ones. Line, you line most of these up. Yep. Um, I got to say, I, I, I said to you before we came uh, I forgot to ask him about his pirate stuff because he, oh, he was huge into, into the it. pirates. Yeah. I mean, and I visited his pirate, me and my wife were down Key West. I visited his pirate museum and he actually gave me like a personal tour. And it's just fascinating. He's been on some shows on the Travel Channel and stuff. And then I think about six, eight years ago, he actually found a pirate ship off the coast of Panama. One of his favorite pirates. Uh, he's He's just... He's an incredibly, it does not shock me that he's into this now, like that he's found something. I I just, it's sad that maybe he had to find it this way. Right. But he seems like he's very much at peace with it. And if I have no doubt in my mind, and, and, you know, I've seen a lot of what the coaches versus cancer, there's no doubt in my mind that Pat Croce is going to help a lot of people get, like he said, not suffer. You know, he might not be able to cure their cancer um but deal with it and 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 you know whatever um and he can get deep you know I mean yeah. it, look there's there, he's a deep guy but um there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to spread some good through this I,
0: I I have to thank Taryn Jones from the American Cancer Society who upset this up um yeah and uh again healed is the program uh there's also by the way there's a great story by uh our buddy Larry Platt uh oh God about yes. Pat um that was published April uh, April twenty third. It's on Philadelphia Citizen's website. Uh, but healed. Uh, the acronym stands for Health and Energy among uh, through active living each day. Uh, I can
2: tell you, Kevin. I don't do a lot of that kind of stuff because it's just not me. Right. Of course, if I if they told me I had cancer tomorrow, I might. Or my, but I might go on one of those one week. I, I may I may zoom yep. in just to see what it's all about.
0: Yep, and it's uh, ACS healed. Dot org, I believe he said. So we will, and that's
2: uh, that's where does the link for the Zoom that's would the be? link
0: for the Zoom. So if you uh-huh. are wanting to hear Pat Croce, Pat's going to have a guest on. He had Mike Schmidt on on Wednesday. So um, wow, which and Pat, Mike, uh, we should did. we should point out by the way, Mike Schmidt is also a cancer survivor. Obviously, was right? That's what I was survivor.
2: going to ask you. Um, it was skin cancer, wasn't yes. it? Yeah. Yeah. So and that's bad. Skin cancer is not good.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, Mike Mike has been public about his battle. Um, with it, he you know down at the ballpark, you know they have the dispensers for the uh, sunscreen and everything. That was largely because of what happened with Mike. So
2: yeah, I, I mean, I go I go to my dermatologist every six months, and she freezes things, and you know, and she and apparently I'm paying for what I did when I was 20 years old, is yeah. the way she explains it to me. But you know, Jimmy Johnson, the you know the Eagles defensive coordinator, I mean, Died he got it. it. And, yeah, you know, it's not good.
0: No, um, I would have loved to have seen what a parade would have looked like with Croce. Oh, my
2: God. I don't know if he would have been able to actually start it in North Broad Street. I mean, that's a... That's a- no, no,
0: no, no. He went the flyover to start in North Broad. So he basically went well, to every... No,
2: no, Kevin, I think he said... No, I think he said... I, will, was I will go, go back and North listen to Broad. it
0: again. Okay.
2: um, That's like a five-hour parade. I mean, I, I don't... You know, I don't, um, It would have been... Look, it would have been out of this world. Oh, yeah. But look, I mean, the Eagles was... Look, the Eagles and the Phillies parades the two most recent we've had. They've been great. They've been great. I mean, everybody remembers them, but... That one might have been, you know, that was interesting what he said, though, but the 87 Flyers might have been the more under, because the Sixers in 2001, they were all injured. Yeah. I mean, everybody on that team was hurt. Um, And I don't know if they would have, t- I mean, if they had all been healthy, yeah, they probably would have taken the Lakers to six, maybe seven. But, you know, the Lakers had every bit as many Hall of Fame players on their team as, as those I Edmonton mean, team. Teams that might have been one of the great hockey teams of all time, right? Yeah,
0: it is probably the greatest of all time in my mind. I mean,
2: yeah, and I mean, and, and they had um with, with Messi,
0: and, with Messier and Gretzky and Coffee and Curry or,
2: and uh,
0: Fuhrer and Glenn yeah. Anderson and
2: yeah,
0: uh, you know, yeah. I mean, just <laughs> yeah, um, I mean
2: and, and I remember, but I was not. At, I mean, I was not at Game Six at the Spectrum, but people have told me that that was the loudest, and I was been in that building when it was pretty loud. That it was just that that was there. Wa- there wasn't any there wasn't anything to approach that approached that. When he scored that goal, when was it? Daniel scored the goal. Daniel and made a 3-3? JJ
0: Daniel, Yep. Um, yeah. And the one other thing out of it.
2: Fourth grade Actually, yeah.
0: Yeah. the The one other thing out of it that I was surprised admitting that the way he handled the one was a mistake. Uh, the 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 separation and that you know he called Ed Snyder and and. Hmm.
2: I mean, well, sure, it was a mistake. Well, yeah, but I mean, he, he he knew it. Uh, he probably knew it the day after it happened. Yeah. But you know he was Pat Croce. He was right, and he's not one. And point. he's not
0: one who's going to live in the past. He is next, no.
2: the next phase.
0: So, but he, yeah. you know, when we that's his. It, it, you know that's something, and that honestly was one of my first big stories I ever covered was when Pat left. Uh, I was. I still, didn't
2: realize it was right after the tooth. I thought there was another season there. No, it
0: was a one, yeah. and it was. Yeah, um, yeah, I didn't realize that it was actually in the summer camp right after that. Before mm-hmm. they had gone to. Vegas. So he
2: wanted he wanted to take over the Flyers also and run the, the whole building. The yeah,
0: and right. I could tell you like that caught Ed by surprise. Mm-hmm. And the, the the memorable story I have from that was and, and Ike Richmond can back me up on this. So my, our buddy who who formerly was the spokesman mainly, mainly for Ed Snyder. Yeah, they had the press conference and it's glum and everything, and Pat's going to a special advisor role and all this, and uh, Ed. We get Ed on the one-on-ones to decide afterwards. And so Ed's standing there, and a lot had been made that Ed was going to be turning 70 soon. And Ed, at the end of it, looks back at all of us, and it's like Phil Jasner and Stephen A. And my, me, and Dennis Deach and all that, and goes, and by the way,
2: I'm 67. I'm not turning 70 soon. <laughs> Just yeah. like angry Ed. <laughs> well, he he underestimated and how much the Flyers meant to Ed Snyder. Oh, everything. And I think, and, and that to me is a bad miscalculation, but again, he was riding a high. He had just gotten the Sixers sure. to the finals, you know, um, and he probably thought, this is my time. Time to make take. But I for know the-, the one thing Pat really wanted to do was get control of the Phillies. Mm-hmm. He wanted to put a group together. The problem was at the time, the stadium was on the way. Yep. So they weren't selling. You know, because they knew the stadium was going to be kind of their salvation. And as right. it turned out, it was. You know, and then they got real good like three, four years after that. Um, but that would have been interesting to, to see him run it. I mean, uh, you know, anybody that was – look, I wasn't covering the Sixers, so I wasn't there every day, but I knew Pat. I was there through the playoffs, the whole run through the playoffs, all the home games.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He made it so much fun. And the people he put, Dave Kosky, um, Laura, Laura Price, who Price, who was still there mm-hmm. – um, they made it fun like Richmond yeah to, to go cover them
0: Karen Frescona. and Karen
2: Frescona. I mean they, it was like it it almost didn't oh come it work. was so
0: fun oh every every night was fun
2: yeah because and, and it, it was and a ready-made
0: storyline every night you had the and, owner and you had yeah the owner you had the, owner, the you had head coach stuff. oh yeah you had the owner you had the head coach who was a little wacky uh yeah. you had the or a the, lot wacky. a lot wacky you had the the superstar who was Mm-hmm. exciting as hell to watch, but also lived on the edge. It was, it was a, it was a soap well, think, opera think and it was awesome. That
2: story. He, think about the story he just told you, Kevin, about, you know, uh, I, Iverson MFing them yeah. and, 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 and uh, Brown I, saying, you know, yeah. go here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think he threw out the N word is at least according to Pat. I'm not sure that was whatever, but these guys didn't like each other at one little bit. No. And yet he sat them down and convinced them, Hey, You need each other, and like a year later or two years later, whatever it was, was a year
0: later the practice press conference.
2: Yep. Yeah, because I think '99 was when they were going to trade them. I think it was the before the '90. No, it was before
0: the two thousand. It was before two thousand two thousand
2: one. Okay.
0: They got beat by the Pacers in the two thousand playoffs. Okay. And I think the Pacers went on to the finals that year, but
2: Pacers were good. No. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, Pacers were good. Right. I mean, that was when the Larry Bird, not,
0: I think, was still coaching. Right, but the Sixers should uh, – the Sixers – it was Allen didn't play real hard in game six or something, and, and okay. that pissed Larry off. And yeah. They had hit a roadblock. They had lost the Indiana two straight years, so it was kind of –
2: Hey, Matt, Hey, look, if Matt Geiger agrees to the, the 15% um, – trade, trade reduction. Trade clause. Yeah. That trade probably would have went through. And we probably wouldn't have went to the finals in 2001. Yeah. And the whole history of Allen Iverson and Larry Brown both might have been different. Changed a little. I, don't, I mean, Larry Brown did go on and win another title. Yeah, uh, or win a title. He didn't win a title with the Sixers, but uh, um, yep.
0: let me let me get to the current Sixers. Uh, they are in first place in the East, two games up on Brooklyn, who has lost two to Milwaukee, two games up in the loss column. I should point out.
2: Yeah, I, um, I said that was going to happen. Yeah, I'm not right very often. The Bucks aren't bad. No,
0: the Bucs are actually a game and a half behind in uh, uh, Brooklyn at this point. So the, yeah.
2: Although so I don't think that matters to them. To Brooklyn? Uh, I don't think Brooklyn cares if they're the third or the second seed. The Bucks might care. Um, the Brooklyn just figures at some point their guys are going to play, whether they do or not, who knows. And the, you know, they're either going to figure it out. Or, I, I don't think home court means as much to Brooklyn as it means to Philadelphia and Milwaukee. Let me put it that way.
0: Yeah, I would. I would kind of agree with that. I, I would. I would. I would think it's probably more important for Milwaukee to get home court than it is for for Brooklyn at this point. I think for Philadelphia, it's vital. Uh, Brooklyn's yeah. remaining schedule, by the way, at Dallas, at Denver, at Chicago, San Antonio, mm-hmm. Chicago, and Cleveland at home.
2: So yeah, home court's only as good as when you lose game one or two. Yeah. So and then, and then all of a sudden it ain't home court anymore. So, but that's okay. Um, you know? How?
0: How? Although that being said, how critical is it for the Sixers, not just to maybe get this done, but maybe, yeah, you know, they could finish this off maybe with three, three games left, and you can get Embiid off his feet before the playoffs begin.
2: Yeah, I get. I mean, yeah. I mean, at some point, maybe that's important. I mean, I think it is by this part of the year. I mean, look, little extra rest. They didn't play him very much the other night when they're up by a hundred, and you know, you know have like a, yeah. a, this is my my. There's a couple of things. First of all, and Harris has been playing a little better because he missed those three or four games. He came back. He wasn't as good, right. which is to be expected. You know, he, had, he played Hill's, better on Monday night. Hill, yeah. Hill was starting to play a little more. And you're hoping he's because he's got to give you something in the playoffs. Here's my problem. And, and I know this is going to sound r- ridiculous. The game the other night where Simmons tips it in at the end to win the game. Okay. And he took the two charges in overtime. I get that he he can't score six points no you can't you you know there's nights when he can score 10 11 12 you know and 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 I, I looked at the box score afterwards and I'm like he took six shots he made two one won the game. I, you know, I'm not I, I can't take that away from him and the two plays where he drew the charge you can't dismiss that but for Ben Simmons to play 35 minutes and score six points, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. It, there's no other player in the league of his eliteness. And and I don't know if he's an elite player, but if his, how good he is. Yeah. An all-star player who can, who does that. Yeah. Um, And when they get to the playoffs, you know, they're not going to be able to afford that as easily as they can in a regular season situation where maybe you're playing Indiana, you know, and I, and I don't think Ben's going to have to average 20 in the playoffs. I, you know, that, that's, that's a whole different animal. But I think he's got an average like 14-15 in the playoffs, 13 14, you know, somewhere in there. Yeah, You know, and whether he's going to, I I, I don't know, because I just don't think Joel can go out there and score 37-38 every single, almost every single night. I think that's asking a lot of a guy. Um, But, you know, and, and Milwaukee's got a guy, too, who seems to play pretty well against the Sixers. Yeah, and that's where I think Ben. Like, if God forbid, the, not God forbid, if the Sixers play the Bucks, in probably would be the the fu- it final. would have to be the East final, right? Right. Well, yeah, unless something's goofy, I'm putting Ben on Giannis. I'm sorry. Now they might put Ben on Drew Holiday, and say shut him off. Yeah, just you know, we'll let Giannis scores thirty five or forty, but we ain't letting Drew Holiday. Um, but I would think about putting Ben on him. I would.
0: Yeah, I mean, because because Embiid
2: can't match up with him. No, Embiid just—it's a just bad matchup. Match yep. And you want him scoring thirty-five at the other end. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, you know, hey, look—that's for Doc.
0: I would put it. Time. I would put Embiid on Middleton, maybe.
2: Well, there's really not a good match for Embiid. You almost have to play like a box in one, maybe. Yeah, you know. Um, but again, you just don't want you know against the Nets. I think it's a bigger problem because that you know there's. The possibility that they have three guys that you might like—I think if I was playing the Nets, I would want Ben on Harden because mm-hmm. I think Harden's where it's all going to start. I mean, Durant's really good, you know. Durant, you know, he, he's for a guy coming off the injuries and all he had. He he's really, but he's been hurt. So, I mean, he hasn't. He's missed so much, you know. And and Kyrie's Kyrie, you know. Kyrie's going to do his thing. Some nights he could be thirty some. Some nights going to be twenty some. But he's going to. But if you can keep Harden from from putting his fingerprint on the game with those 15 assists, you know, and his 30 points and whatever he's going to do. Slow him down a little. I think that cuz the Nets are still trying to find themselves. They they don't even know who they are.
0: No, and they may not they may not have time to not. get
2: you know, I mean, to that, get it together that, yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Sixers have 7 games left, only one of them against a team that's above 500, only two of them against teams that would make the playoffs at the season ended today. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, And they're
2: probably looking at a second round. So if you assume they're going to win the first round series against the play, against the the play
0: in uh, the lowest team from the play in.
2: Yeah. But they'll play play probably the Knicks or the Hawks. Both teams, I mean, they just handled the Hawks twice, but the Hawks weren't one game didn't play. The The Knicks Knicks are are more of a problem. Yeah. The Knicks have been a very good team the last third of the year. And they're the kind of team that makes you play those crappy. Uh, you know, scrappy games. It's it's not pretty. Um, I think I'd rather play the Hawks. Yeah, I would too. Even though I know that one, you know, Trey Young could hit you for forty, whatever. But um, but in a
0: seven game series, in a seven game series, I don't see Atlanta beating him four times. I could, in theory, see the Knicks beating him.
2: No, I don't. But I can see the Knicks taking a toll on him. Yeah. I could see the Knicks. I can see
0: Randall. Six. I can. Yeah. I could see Randall having a big series. I yes. can see. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And you, and you could come out of that series feeling it mm-hmm. like the Hawks aren't, I don't think a physical team. No. And I think, you know, now the other way you could look at it and say, look, if you're going to play in the Eastern conference finals, you're going to have to go maybe through. It helps, maybe it helps you to play a long. I, I disagree with that. I want to win in five and five or four and five or whatever. And, and, you know, let the Nets and the Bucks figure out what the hell they're going to do. And because um, the Nets series is not going to be a physical series. I'll give you
0: one thing to keep an ear on here going forward. There are three, if they stay at the one seed, the three teams likely that they would face in the first round are Charlotte and Indiana, who I think they will roll through. Washington is,
2: Washington could be sleeping. Yeah. But I think the same thing about Washington, Kevin. I think they could win a game or two from you because of B.O.M. Westbrook. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see them winning four. Oh, I don't see I, I, them winning four, but I could see them. I could see getting
0: the game six or, or game seven, yeah.
2: Yeah, but <clears throat> but I don't think Washington is a physical toll on you. Um, and, in B, I mean, um, Simmons is likely have to t- – he's probably going to guard Westbrook. Yeah. I'm guessing. So, you know – but I think the Knicks, the way they play, the way their coach wants them to play. Oh, yeah. It's like playing the Broad Street Bullies. You know, you might beat them, but afterward, you ain't going to feel too good. No. And that's what I worry about more with the Knicks. Um, oh, Bradley Beal and Westbrook, look, if the two of them are on that night, phew, yeah, they they can give you fits. Westbrook had
0: there, 24, no 24 assists on Monday night. 24. Yeah, I know.
2: I, I look, but... You know, I, I just think in a seven-game series against a team like the Sixers. I, oh, I, I don't think that Washington wins yeah. the
0: series, but I think Washington could take the toll. Like,
2: what like, could Washington beat the Knicks or the Hawks in a seven-game series? Sure. Yeah. But they're not going to play the Knicks or the Hawks. No. No. You know.
0: Um, all right, so that's the Sixers story. The Phillies, as we're recording this, have won two straight uh, after a, a, a meltdown on Sunday night. And uh, I was—I I had you texting last night that the bullpen is a disaster for the Phillies already.
2: Well, look, it's better than last year. Okay, that's not in a high bar sense, in the sense that that was historical. I know they've got Archie's been hurt. I know Alvarado wasn't available. Is, you know, is, is he serving a suspension or did he, did he?
0: I believe he's back tonight.
2: Okay, so he because he was going to appeal it at one point. I didn't yeah. know exactly.
0: No, he that. he he dropped it. I think Monday night
2: but monday. they are there's still an adventure waiting to happen like almost every night i mean the game monday night you know their bullpen gives all, and then the mets bullpen was just as bad you know their their closer came in and now here alex rodriguez you know or, or sunday night i guess it was alex well you know when you bring a closer into a non-closing safe situation bullshit bull you got to get you got a four run lead why are you walking people Would you please, Kevin, you covered baseball forever. Why do relief pitchers come in and walk people? I Throw strikes. If they hit it, they hit it. You got a four-run lead. They got to get three base runners on before you're even in a situation where somebody can take you out and tie you. But whatever. Then I'm going to preface this because people might take it the wrong way. If Gabe Kapler was managing this team the last month, Oh, yeah. What would people be saying? Oh, they'd be killing him. Okay, why aren't they kill? And I'm not saying they should be killing Joe Girardi. I don't mean it that way. But why is it that Philadelphia fans, and I get it, Joe has a ring on his finger. I get it. He also managed whatever year most of the time was considered one of the best teams in baseball. Okay, he has made some decisions on bring, when to bring in relief pitchers, when not. He's made the decision last night. I mean, he twice this week he's apologized to us. Yeah. For mistakes that he made. And that's okay. But that can't happen. That cannot happen. And this guy, Hale, would, would somebody please, what, what is he, pitch for him for the Yankees? Yeah, he did. So that's why we, and I understand you can't fix an entire bullpen. I get it. In, in an off season, I get it. And and God, thank God McCutcheon's starting to hit the ball a little bit. Uh, their center field is still an issue. Boehm is still not having a year. You ever, I mean, look. They're in first place. You know? What the hell? I mean, but but I'm just telling you, all these people that picked not picked, rightfully so, were critical of Gabe Kapler the two seasons he was here. And then, you know, we gotta go out and hate Gabe Ka- Okay. Well, your manager right now is not really doing a lot better. No. Okay. I just wanted to get I want cause you're a baseball guy more than me. I mean am, am I, look, am I right? I think, I think the
0: word? line I think the lineup card thing people have to understand because Technically, the manager doesn't fill it out. I got it, you. it goes to somebody else. And okay. with the roster snafu or with the roster changes they had, is it po- okay. is it possible it it's it flip through the cracks? Yeah, absolutely.
2: People make mistakes, Kevin. Yeah, we all make mistakes. But what about some of these relief pitcher? But decisions? but I think
0: I think the decision to keep going to Hale. I think some of the decisions, even lineup decisions. I, I, I'm uh,
2: you know. Well, the game last week where he left Brogdon, and after he gave up the three run homer. So he could give up another three run homer.
0: Well, I'll, I mean, I'll also be honest, and this is another issue. Uh, it's funny. I just had this come in um, on my on my watch. You know, when I'm looking at this, Philly's lineup's out for tonight, and guess who's not in it again? It's Bryce Harper. Right.
2: Well, he's got look, he's got an injured wrist. Right. You, you but, can't.
0: But yeah, this is a decision that, to be honest, when you kick the, it, it, they almost would have been better. So let Harper, if he had any kind of lingering soreness and everything, don't play him Sunday night. Have him sit, yeah, go that, on the that DL. That I can't
2: comment on. I, I right, I yeah. mean, have
0: him go on the DL and, and, and kind of take your medicine for the ten games, and then move forward to to try to get him right. As so he didn't
2: to, he didn't injure it in Sunday's game. He was injured before that. Well,
0: he was injured. He had injured the wrist when he fell after getting hit in the face.
2: Okay. Oh. 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 I understand what you. are saying. So right. there was
0: three it games was, he missed. Then, okay. he on, his, then he played on. Then he played on. I saw on, his
2: last two. I saw his last two at bats Sunday night. Right. And the guy who was doing it, which I guess was out. I don't know who was doing the game. Escursion and a rod. Okay. Even said when he was coming up that he hadn't looked good in his previous at bat, and you could tell on that last out he 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 couldn't swing. No. I mean, I, I was almost like I would have almost been okay if they pinch hit for him. I don't know who they could have pinch hit. I don't know who they had available, and they I don't didn't have a lot of. But yeah, I mean, they come all the way back. You know, they almost got the tying three run homer. They got a runner on second, a base hits going to tie the game, and and Bryce just looked over, really overmatched. And I just figured it was his injury. Yeah, you know, I you know, I mean, know.
0: I I think sometimes you, I think just sometimes you have to do yeah you, know, you have to do some things that. Are better in the long run than in the short term. Well, maybe
2: it? Bryce told me he didn't want to go on the injured list. You know, maybe. I mean, and you have to respect your franchise player. I guess you if do? he tells you that. Yeah, you know, uh, let me ask you. Let me ask you about their defense, Kevin. Oh, it's brutal.
0: It's the worst I've seen in twenty years of of, of covering the the
2: game. So, so now I'm going to ask you about a play in particular, and I'm not trying to pick on Reese Hoskins here. Ah, uh, uh, whatever. That play the other night, it can't happen. Can't happen. happen. How does that? Like when I played. When I played. Okay. The first thing you were taught when you got the ball like where Hoskins got it or if I was an outfielder and got a ball, Mm -hmm. you get it in so that no runners can do anything, right? Even if you run it in, just like run the ball in. What was – he's like looking at the second baseman as the guy is rounding third? I mean, that – like, I don't know. I I was totally mystified what was happening there. I didn't get it.
0: Well, uh, this is – this is just not a very good, very smart baseball team. And, and that
2: will catch up with you. At oh, it point, already right? has. Yeah. yeah. But, but you're. if you ever talk to pitchers about that, like Kevin, like when you were down there all the time, like if I'm Noel, I'll just throw a Noel out there. Is it a Wheeler. It could be anybody. And maybe you're throwing a pretty good game. And maybe there's like one or two defensive plays. And I don't even mean errors. Mm-hmm. Just plays that maybe your team doesn't make behind you. And it ends up costing you. Does that like fester with pitchers? Oh yeah, okay.
0: yeah. I mean, okay. because it makes you try to have to feel like you have to strike everybody out, or you have to.
2: I got uh, you. you. Have no wiggle room. It if, okay. festers. If and how uh, how many plays like in the outfield this year have we seen like that they've screwed up?
0: Mike, they need to, they need to just reevaluate. And this is what happens when you have a new GM. And I, you know it was funny. I did something today for PCN that's appearing that's for. Uh, being aired on Friday night with Matt Breen, and we both kind of said, you know, uh, uh, you know that this was a different off season because of sure, sure, you know everything going on. But the one thing Dombrowski really has to look at is his whole system and why you aren't developing fundamentally sound players like mm-hmm. that. There are even you know, boom, they have too many guys out of position. They have too right. many guys who who don't who don't. Throw to the right base. Well, Boone's a first baseman, right? In a perfect yeah, Probably, role. yeah. Okay.
2: Right. Okay. I mean... Yeah. But, and, but last year, Kevin, I mean, they didn't have minor leagues last year. And I'm not saying... Look, this this goes back probably more, you know, before. You know, remember when we were growing up, it was always the Dodger way, how the Dodgers taught their guys to play. Yeah. Um, St. Louis Cardinals, I think, kind of were like that. You know, there was a way you played. But again... I go back and I'm like I said I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to pick on Girardi. I, I mean he obviously has a resume he's respected. You know I'll give him every benefit of that you had a whole spring training with these guys.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, are you telling me that Hosk like the Hoskins would do something like that? Like after, like 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 I, I can't believe they don't go over situations in spring training. Okay, guys, here's what happens: you know, you missed the ball first base and rolled down the right field line. You get it. You throw it in, <laughs> you know? and I understand if he doesn't want to throw it to Riomulto in case it gets past Riomulto, and then the guy scores anyway. Just I It just. I watched that like five times, and I'm still sitting there going, "What was he?" And look, everybody's allowed to have a brain fart. It, you know, we all have brain farts, but we've seen McCutcheon have brain farts, we've seen Harper have brain farts, we've seen center fielders have brain farts. Hoskins. Um, DD's not the greatest. You know, I, I thought D.D. was actually better. They than they the have
0: totally team. discounted defense as a, as a factor here. Except it, for
2: their catcher. Yeah. Because their catcher's really good. Exactly.
0: But it's yeah. beside that, every other position in the field, they're average or below average at.
2: Would you, if you were the, the head of this team, would you put the second baseman in center field and put Kingery at second until Segura gets back? Mateo? Yeah, I've, I mean, I've read stories like that. that well, Segura, uh,
0: since Kingery's gone back to the minors.
2: Okay, I didn't he know went, that.
0: He went back yesterday. Um, okay, but
2: there was talk that they were going to put him in center field if they had somebody to put it second because they've tr- the five guys they've tried in center field none of them worked.
0: Mateo is taking uh, BP in the outfield. Okay, uh, so when is Segura coming back? He could be this weekend. Okay, like is he that, he, he had a rehab a he had a rehab thing last night at Lehigh Valley, so do he you will think be. That's a, a good move. What, what did I have to lose? Could it be worse than what it is right now? I don't think so. And then what would you
2: do with Herrera? You just have uh, yeah I to I, think, I think
0: you're getting the DFA point at this point. I would designate him for assignment. Okay. I, so I would think, start, start designating...
2: You don't think that's, that's, that ship has sailed, you think?
0: I mean, the only thing that may keep him around right now is the fact that Roman Quinn is hurt again.
2: Okay. Um, again, Jesus Christ.
0: But, I mean... I actually got to it check. It's Quinn even Do you in the believe tonight.
2: Do you believe the word that, that I've heard these kind of, you know, if you listen to enough talk, whatever, that the Phillies really think that Moniac could be the guy, but they think he needs more time. And my point is he's had enough time. Like, I, I don't want, and look, Vinny Velasquez mm. is now is thrown a couple good games and, you know, we're going to get more Vinny and, hey, man, you know, God bless him. Here, here's the,
0: when Moniac and I would even throw uh, Hazley in there. Both have options, so why not just put him in the minors?
2: Okay. Well, like, do, we, do we know what Hazely like, is Hazely ever going to come back? Or is I, that... I, I have no idea at this okay. point.
0: Okay. Uh, Herrera is in the lineup tonight against Milwaukee.
2: Yeah, well, somebody has to be.
0: McCutcheon, Miller in right, Hoskins, Romuto, Gregorius, Boehm, Boehm in six. Um, Mayton is second base, Herrera in center, Anderson is pitching.
2: And, and Miller's been, like, a decent pickup, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, he,
0: he's... But I, I worry about him being overexposed at some point. In
2: got gotcha. I got you.
0: Okay, and I, I, you know, it's fine through April. It's fine through a little bit of May. Right. If he's a, if he's an everyday player for you in July, you, you're, you know, oh,
2: you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're gone. Yeah. What do you think about McCutcheon? Do you think he's? Starting I think to he's getting a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I think.
0: You know, look, Andrew McCutcheon is not what Andrew McCutcheon was in 2013, but Andrew McCutcheon still is a representative major league player. And Andrew McCutcheon, I think, is more critical than ever because of that clubhouse, just to make sure that everybody.
2: Right. Sure. Sure.
0: And sure. so I'm I'm okay. I'm okay with McCutcheon. And besides, he's in the last year of his contract. So it's not even
2: like a. You know who McCutcheon reminds me of? It's kind of like a Jason Kelsey on the Eagles. A little bit. Like, you know, he, he wasn't. Yeah, he's probably not a Pro Bowl center anymore. I mean, maybe he is. I, I don't. I mean, yeah. But you need a guy like that because he's kind of like the. And I don't know if McCutcheon is the guy who's like that. You know, I would I would hope that Bryce Harper is is a little bit, but I don't know what Bryce's makeup is or if he's that kind of guy. All right. But you need something. Maybe maybe Reimoto a little bit is like that. I I don't know. But you need guys like that. You 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 need like you say somebody has to go into that clubhouse besides Joe Girardi and kind of you know be the guy. Right. Um. You know, for whatever it's. Um, so they're still in first
0: place in the East.
2: Uh but he stinks man. Yeah,
0: eventually I think the Braves and the Mets will get going. Um I
2: think the Braves more than the Mets. Yeah. But, but I think Kevin, you know, at some point and it's still too early, but you might get to where maybe this division is like an 87-88 win division.
0: I don't you know? I don't think it's a given that both wild are uh, one of the wild cards is coming out of this division. I don't think it's necessarily going to the central either. I think both could end up out west. San Francisco is not bad.
2: Um. Oh, that would piss people. Uh, oh San Francisco is okay. not bad. I mean, so do you think? Do you think though that three teams could come out of the West? Or they yeah, they could. Wow. You know why?
0: Because the Diamondbacks and Rockies are that awful. Like yeah. nobody at the bottom
2: of the East is as awful as those two. Now, forgive me if if I say, wasn't recently like within the last two or three years the Rockies and and. And uh, Colorado made the playoffs. Both in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, about three years ago.
2: And now they're just like god awful again. Yep. Wow. That's wow. That's it's amazing to me how franchise, but I guess they can because we see it happen. But they also
0: are tanking. They also like are willing to step back because they feel like they have to rebuild their whole system.
2: Wow. Yeah. Baseball's got that problem. Baseball's got a big problem. Well, yeah. The Royals. I mean, look, we see Pittsburgh. We see the Royals, and the Royals won a World Series and got to another one. So, and Pittsburgh made the playoffs like three straight years um, and lost. But teams, and then they'll go, and there's just some franchises, you just look at them, I guess Detroit's a little bit like that now. Yeah. Um, And you just say, you know, when is it going to go right again? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's hard for me to be a Pittsburgh fan and, and just sit there because for the last 20-some years, they, they had, when McCutcheon was there, they had like that three years where they made the wild card game and, and lost every year.
0: Since 1979. Uh, since 1979,
2: when they won the World Series. When they
0: won the World Series,
2: right?
0: They have one playoff win, and it was a wild card win, which was wow. a single game. One lost yeah. in a, lost in ninety to the Reds, lost in ninety one to the um, ninety two to the Braves.
2: A then, great series.
0: Then twelve, take twelve. They won. They beat uh, the Reds in the one game, and then lost to the Cardinals. Then they lost in thirteen to. Um, San, or fourteen to San Francisco and thirteen, right. they lost to somebody else. Yeah,
2: right. And and you know what? And maybe you'd have to be somebody my age to get this, or maybe your age. But there are some places that where baseball was really important. Oh, it's like Pittsburgh was a great franchise. Um, Mike, the it's the, uh, Mike. I, I'll be honest. It's
0: a top five ballpark. It's a great city.
2: Yeah, yeah. It but should even be a I mean, lot better. It's a small had, market. Even when, the, even when they had the cookie cutter thing, I mean. Yeah, they have Roberto Clemente. They won a World Series in 60, yeah. 71, and 79. That's three in two decades. That's pretty good. Um, you know, and Kansas City was good, you know, for the late eighties. I mean, they just couldn't get past the Yankees. And they but for there was a decade there where the Royals were, you know, that was baseball, whatever. Those people flocked to that stadium. Yeah. Still a great stadium. Um Cincinnati was always a great baseball town. Still is. Yeah, but it's just, it's hard when your team stinks all the time. Um, it just is. And I feared it in Colorado and Arizona. Not that they're great baseball places, I don't mean it that way. But you can only be bad for so long before the fans just start saying, ah, to hell with this. Yeah, I but, got better things to do. But
0: let's also be honest that the era of the super teams. Um. Yeah. You know, look, the Cubs. Everybody thought will win multiple. War- this got brought up yesterday on MLB Network. So I'm not.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, you're right.
0: The Cubs. Everybody thought will win multiple World Series, and they didn't. They nope. won one.
2: Yeah. Um.
0: You know, the Dodgers are still a good team, but the but the Yankees haven't been back to the World Series since 09. No. Nope. The, the Red Sox have had to break it down and build it back up. The Astros aren't what they used to.
2: I but mean, the Red Sox. The- yeah. You're right. Um. I, I, I mean, look, the Giants— We may look back. At some point, and say the Giants win in three and five years was about the closest thing you're going to get to a dynasty
0: in the modern era.
2: In the modern era, now the Red Sox have won four since 2004, four. Yeah. counting 2004, which is that's yeah, pretty good. I mean, you know, in, in 14 year period, they won four times. That's really especially, good,
0: especially when they went 0 for 86. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. Um, but you're right. You see these teams like everybody even thought the Astros. We're probably going to win again. They probably should have won another one. I mean, or they,
0: know, probably they probably should, never should have never won the one they won.
2: Well, that's that's a fair point. I mean, we'll, the funny thing about that, Kevin, is we will never know how much that helped them or didn't help them. It
0: was interesting yeah. seeing the reaction last night at Yankee Stadium, how how yeah. just absolutely blistering.
2: I, I still, every time I see that out 2v home run, yeah, and look on Chapman's face.
0: Like I knew, like and he when knew it was came coming. came
2: around yeah. third base and is coming, and he's holding his shirt.
0: Like don't rip it. So yeah,
2: don't don't rip it. That to me is the most endearing image I have of that. Mm-hmm. That, you know, okay, that's letting me leading me to believe that somehow, some way, he knew it was going to be a high fastball. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you still have to hit it. <laughs> I want to. I, I want to. Ch- Chapman's ch- throwing a hundred. You know, you still got to hit it.
0: I want to change topics very briefly. Okay. Uh, and I want to bring the Flyers up because their season's going to end by the time we talk again next week. Uh, two points. One, and I, I covered the game last night. Any Flyer fan who ever bitches about Sidney Crosby, okay?
2: Yeah, you're right.
0: Better realize that he is like a spitting image, his game, of number 16 in the rafters in orange and black.
2: Yeah. It, actually, he's more talented.
0: He's more talented, but that style right. is yeah. just the yeah. same. Right. And you love Bobby Clark. And if he wore your uniform, you would love him too.
2: I would say. Uh, because be watching cool. him last
0: night was a treat.
2: It was. Well, look. Kevin, he's going to go down probably as like the fifth best hockey player ever. Yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe six or seven. I mean, you start with. The um, top tenner, that's for you, sure. You go to Gordie Howe. You put Ovechkin in there. You put some of the Montreal guys. I
0: rather have him than Ovechkin.
2: Right? Yeah, but I'm just saying Ovechkin will probably go down as being bad. They're they're about equal. Yeah. They're, they're you know they're on the same line. You, know, you go back to a John Beliveau or something. Or you know, Montreal had a couple of those guys. Bobby Orr has to be in that conversation. But yeah, Cook. I mean, yeah, but I, I I still I will say this to any Flyer fan because I I was you know back in the day that was me. He Bobby Clark took his stick. And did a two-hand whack on Karmalov's ankle in the um, Soviet series in 72, for which now you would go to prison. You'd probably be serving a jail term. And we hailed it. And it wound up winning the season. And Canada hailed it. And Canada was like, and now you got this guy Wilson for the caps who should be suspended for at least the rest of this year. Yeah. And, and, you know... but yeah, By, by the way, it should be, be
0: interesting, those two teams, Capitals and Rangers, play again tonight.
2: Oh, it'll be... Up whatever. at the Garden. Wilson is despicable. He and, and the despicable part about him is he's a good player. Yeah. He's a very good player who doesn't have to be a thug, per se. I want to see him get toasted up so bad. I want some guy, and I don't know who it would be, because I, I don't, you know... And fighting is not really allowed anymore... They showed uh, highlights last night of him on ESPN about ten of his hits. He's dirty. Yeah, he comes from like ten feet away from you and knocks you over. And and if the refs aren't going to call it, why would you stop doing it? Did,
0: did all right. So did you happen to see the Ranger statement last night, which yes, called?
2: Absolutely, they're right. Yeah, but what's going to happen? You tell me.
0: Well, not, nothing's going to happen.
2: I mean, you think Gary Bettman's going to going to Yeah, Did you believe this? The guy that they have who is the guy in charge of that that the Rangers were citing? Yeah. He's a former goon. Yeah. How can you have a former goon as your guy in charge of that?
0: But part two of this, (laughs) part two of this with the Rangers happened today. They fired their team president, John Davidson, who is a legendary figure in in Ranger history. And their general manager, Jeff Gordon. And the reports are that both of them tried to distance themselves from the statement that the Rangers put out on social media last night, and Jim Nolan fired them.
2: Um, you mean they weren't in favor of it?
0: They were not in favor of putting it out like that.
2: Um, they, well, they weren't in favor of the way it got put out, or they weren't in favor of the message.
0: I think they weren't in favor of making the message public.
2: Okay, and, and you know what? Hey, um, I get it. Look, but they were they were upset. You know, and I think most of the people watching it were upset. Set. Yeah. And the NHL's explanation for it was a little weak, I thought. Oh, it was. You know, that uh, you know that he, it was in the course of the play and then, you know, him knocking the guy down. I mean, I mean, this guy was punching people in the back. Yeah.
0: Who does that? All right. Part two of my my rant is towards Dave Scott who spoke in the inquiry on Monday. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Said that he didn't think the Flyers needed major changes. Just Yeah,
2: well, this is yeah,
0: this is yeah. This is a tweak. Let me give Dave a little
2: advice. Hey, Dave, you're not a hockey guy. Don't talk on hockey matters. The problem with the Flyers, and not just the Flyers, but other teams in the city. And maybe it's teams all over the place. We we only see the teams in the city. They overvalue what they have. Yep. And when it's time to and look the Flyers may not be able to overhaul their team because of some of the contracts. Sure. I mean, this is very possible. But to sit there and watch what happened this year, and look, you can say the pandemic played a part. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to say it didn't. Um, You know, but their goalie was historically bad. He was like the Phillies bullpen from last year. Yeah. I mean, they put out some stat on him. Okay, and I'll give Carter Hart a pass. Whatever, uh, you know, it's one year. It's I'll blame
0: I'll blame the defense in front of him as much as him, but okay, their
2: defense stinks. stinks. How can you? And again, I'm not going to rip Vigneau. Vigneau. If I don't see
0: go, Shane spear one more time after after next Monday's finale, that's fine with me.
2: How now, go be a you, Kraken. Kevin, how can you? Okay, I don't care if you're the Phillies, the Eagles the Sixers go 13 straight games without scoring first. Yeah. Are you kidding me? If the Eagles fell behind in 13 straight games, what would we say about Nick Sirianni? Okay? It, it, the same thing if the Phillies fell behind 13 you can't that's a physically impossible. The Flyers have played from behind the whole second yeah, half. It was the 10 season. it was
0: 10 straight games they did score first on Monday night yeah. and then they allowed the first goal last night.
2: And I mean, and they're just they're and and they've had some losses this year that are like like I think it's twenty nine out thirty seven more goals. And I understand sometimes a game like that's going to happen, but not seven of them. No. Um, and they just don't look like they have any heart. And I'm not. I I don't mean I'm not criticizing the fact that they're not trying. I I I think they're out there trying, but I think the leadership is missing. Um, oh, I just think it's poor construction. I think it's poor construction and overvaluing
0: what you have.
2: But, you know, obviously Scott thinks that they're close. And that's Dave,
0: Dave, do yourself a favor. Go, go, go work, go work with PR. You know, try to work on something else gritty. Try to try to do something else with gritty. And by the way, I got to say this because I've been down there a lot recently. It's okay to have like an idle moment without the mascot on the video screen.
2: It is. No, it's not because the mascot has become the thing that people care about most, Kevin. That's the problem. By the way, they're, they're right now they're marketing like if you see anything flyer related, the first thing you see is gritty. You don't see Claude Giroux. No, and that's where they're at. By the I way, mean, think about this: Claude Giroux and Voracek have basically both been here a decade, maybe a little more. Yep. In Gir- think about that. They've missed the playoffs five of the last nine years. Every other year they missed. They have not made the playoffs in two consecutive years. Since, I don't know, 2010 or whatever. 11
0: and 12, they made it back-to-back
2: back Think about the, well And they were in, in 10, because mm-hmm. they obviously went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Right. So, okay. Think about that, Kevin. It's That's where your franchise is. Yep. It's real hard. You know, i throw Gritty out there, too. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, remember, remember when the Phillies stunk and you'd see the Fanatic all the time? Yep. That's, you know, the Eagles don't have a mascot, do they? Or... or swoop. 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 Do you know the Sixers mascot. Um, I should notice.
0: You know, that's what I should have asked Crochie. Crochie got rid of a uh, big shot, which was the best
2: mascot ever. And who do they have now? Franklin the dog. No, see, and but remember when the Sixers stunk, though. Right, we cared about the mascot. Yeah, we did. That's a bad sign. Yeah, it's a it's a bad sign when you care about the man. I mean, I don't know where the flyers go from here. By the way, uh,
0: breaking Phillies news. Uh, Matt Joyce and Roman Quinn to the DL. Uh, Quinn with a a laceration of the right index finger. Joyce with a, a, a right calf strain. The return of Mickey Moniak and Scott Kingery.
2: Hey, hey, look, it's and, – and, and you know the thing, and I don't mean to – I'm not trying to sound – but they're going to use the injuries. They're going to point to the injuries oh, yeah. and say, look at this. Every team has injuries. Every team. The Dodgers just lost one their better pitchers for probably two years yeah. or a year and a half or whatever. Okay. I, I get it. You're not whole – you know, you might not be whole the whole year for, for all the heck I know. Yeah. But just – you you know, it, it's they, – they there are certain areas, and they're in first place. Yeah, so, you know, but – This you look at this team and you just say, like, how? I mean, does it at some point doesn't Dave have to try to get a center fielder?
0: Yeah, I've I've been preaching this for a couple weeks now.
2: Does he have to try to get another starter or are they just going to go like Velasquez is pitched a little better? So you know, and I know they're clinging to the hope now that Vinny can be that fourth or fifth starter. Vinny can fill the gap for now, but
0: uh, that could be more near the trade deadline, I think, than them. But but now
2: you're talking about them making two trades. And and they got to be fairly significant trades. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to trade for an all star center fielder, but you got to give something up.
0: Unless you're going to take salary up. What's that? Unless you're going to take salary back. Yeah. And, And I guess you can always do that.
2: I, I don't know. but that, what And that
0: situation. means having to commit to going over to luxury tax, and I don't see them doing that right now. I don't
2: right see now. them doing that either. No, but, I mean, you would know more about this than I would, but I don't know what shape their minor leagues are in in the sense that – and I don't think they're going to go after somebody where they'd have to give up, like, one of their top prospects. No, I, I, I agree. But at some point to me it's almost like I don't know how much difference, you know, having an average center fielder would make over who they have. I, I guess it would, or having – an average fifth starter would make over having the guys they have now. Yep. I just don't know. And the bullpen, I think, is going to be an adventure all year. Yeah. But that's just me. And, again, when Joe coached the, Yanke- Managed the Yanke- Yankees, and I'm not trying to say he had Mariano freaking Rivera. Yeah, he did. At the end of the thing. Yep. So, And he had some pretty good guys in the seventh and the eighth innings, as I recall. That's yeah. the way they set up their team. Well, okay, I'm not saying I could manage that team. Sure. But – if all I got to do is get to the seventh That's inning and I'm bringing bad. this guy, oh, I got Mariana back there. You know, and I'm not saying that means Joe's a bad manager. No. I'm just saying it's different. Yep.
0: A um, couple things before we go. Um, One, Mike, I got something that is life-changing. Well, I've gotten two things that have been life-changing in, in, in my world in the last couple months. One, I got a Weber grill. Uh, okay.
2: Which we is, just got rid of our grill, actually, because we never used it.
0: Okay. Uh, is, we're we're redoing know. our basement right uh, we're doing redoing our backyard right now. Uh it's going to be a multi-month project uh cuz my Joey and I are doing it ourselves. Um but so, but we got a new grill and it's been awesome. And but this is one I think you're going to be more impressed by, Mike. You ready? We got an outdoor pizza oven.
2: I you know I saw one of those on QVC. I got that one. Okay. It was like 2 240. Yep. Yeah. I was, lo- it's, yeah, I, I saw it. I, I just don't think I would make enough pizzas to justify it.
0: Oh, Mike, though, it's it's life-changing. It is awesome.
2: I'm sure it is. Oh. I mean, I have when no you come back here,
0: and I'm sure in a couple of weeks we're going to talk about maybe getting back together and seeing each other in person at some point. Yep. Um. Yeah. You know, once I get the basement cleared. <laughs> um, yeah. But I will make you a
2: pizza in this. Now now here's the thing. Do you make your own dough or do you get like, I alternate? I
0: now I got this I it just arrived on Monday. So I have been using the pre-done dough. Right. Uh like the pre-done crust. I have not gotten that adventurous yet on the dough. My wife is interested in starting with the dough.
2: Okay, but but like how do you I mean, it, so you would go to like a bakery, pick up some dough and then you would roll it out? And and or do you have to have to actually make the dough?
0: There there's actual things in the supermarket where you can buy it, and it's like pretty okay.
2: Easy. You're not going to make your dough. Or, well, like there's the ingredients to get the dough to no, make no, no, dough. But, well, no, no, no. I, there, there are machines where you can make. Your I understand. Dough. You can go out and get another machine and roll your dough and make pizza dough. I'm assuming. I
0: I, I haven't talked to her about that.
2: That's yeah, that seems to me like it's a little. That would be a little over the top. But you might make better dough. could. I mean, I I don't, you know. Me, I would just go out and get – I would probably – see, to me, if you go out and get a pre-made crust – now, I'll use them in my toaster oven because I make homemade pizza all the time. But it's not the same. No. It's good, but to me, it's not the same as getting – like, if you're going to have a pizza oven, to me, you have to have fresh dough. Okay. You you have to get – even if you just go – like, you you remember the place to Palma's, right? Yeah, I remember. It's not there anymore, but – I'm sure you could find a place like that, or maybe it's just the Acme. I mean, I, I you know, where they sell, but a, a bakery might be a better way to go, where they would sell you a couple doughs, right? You, you know, and you just go home, and then all you would have to do is roll it out to whatever you wanted. Hell, you can make square pizza if you wanted. Sure. I mean, what the hell? It's going to go in a pizza oven, and I bet you it would taste a lot better than buying the, um, you know, the the pre-packaged things, um, because then you could you could. You could do anything you wanted to it. You know, you want to put a little garlic on it or something, or you want to put, I don't know, whatever. Well, yeah. You would have like I mean, I
0: your- put whatever I want on it now. Like, with, right. you know, I do, but it's just having the shell
2: already done. The so. fresh the fresh dough would be better, Kevin. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're, if you're going to go to all the trouble buying a pizza grill, a pizza thing, I, I would, you know, I, I would go to the trouble of getting the dough.
0: And by the way, this pizza oven, I've been using it with the natural gas for now. But it also gives did, you the options of did, doing it with wood and with uh, charcoal.
2: Well, I will say this: I I've, I've, there, there's a difference. I found this that there's a place in Myrtle Beach that does the coal fire pizza. Yep. And
0: well,
2: and there's, there's, there's also another, Anthony's
0: uh, coal fire, Anthony's which is up also here.
2: Anthony's also right. It is better. Yeah, it is. And you can taste the difference, and the guy explained to me why. He, he, he sat down at our table and gave us an explanation. It's something about the coals. I, I don't. I don't know, so I don't know if that means a briquette like you like you would use. I guess that's what it is. Yeah, it
0: is correct.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would go that way. In fact, I would. Would it make sense to use wood? I don't know. I don't know.
0: It's it's trial and error phase for
2: us. Could you do a? You could probably do a combination. Yes, you you can put some charcoals down and throw some wood pellets in. Um. Although I don't know if that would change the taste of the pizza or not. Well, you yeah. can
0: also you can do the gas, and they have. There's a little slot that you put the the wood in. I got, I got well.
2: you. I'm a big fan of homemade pizzas. Oh. I I get that Don Peppino sauce, um, which I swear by. And what I'll do a lot of times is I'll just use um, English muffins sometimes because I just want to snack at night or something. Yeah, I'll but yeah, get the cheese, get the whatever. Um, but sometimes I've gotten the shells right. Um. But, but, and you know what I love? I love French bread pizza.
0: Yeah. I, I I'm going
2: to roll, slice it in half, put it on there, and, and I think they're really good. And I'm sure you could do that in your oven also. Sure. Um, actually, you could get, instead of a French bread, you could actually get like a bigger loaf of bread. Yeah. Um, Which might even taste better. Yeah. Yeah, hey, look, I go for it, man.
0: The, the world, I'll, the world. once again, when you come back over here, I'll I'll make pizza. But, but here's my question.
2: Can you make, um, um, what am I? White Castle burgers. I can't. Or could you make Jack in the Box tacos? No. By you the way, it? Happy
0: Cinco de Mayo. Um,
2: that, that pizza oven might be able to make a Jack in the Box taco. Man. It, it I, may. I know. Who knows? No, you know Jack. You know, you know what makes Jack in the Boxes different. I finally figured this out. They fry them. Um, I don't think Taco Bell does not do that. Um, which is the only other chain that I know of, and when when Burger King was doing them, they actually tasted a little bit like the Jack in the Box because, and I finally figured out Jack in the Box fries those suckers, and that's why they get where how they get. It. I don't know whatever, but uh, and they put then they put the cheese in the cheese melt, whatever. But um, uh, hey uh,
0: hey, so next week we have John Kincaid coming on from ninety The Fanatic. He,
2: oh, we have okay.
0: We have John on next week. We have Rhea Hughes on in a couple weeks. So oh,
2: I got to ask you a favor. Yes. Next week we may have to do later in the day, or earlier in the day, or some because I've been asked by Mr. Harry Donahue to go on. Um, in Off Show at two o'clock, and I haven't been on there in like three years. So I, I, think, I think. But if I can, if we can't, then I'll just. Well, I, 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 I think I, I got
0: Kincaid at three thirty. So I'll, I'll talk. Yeah, I'll, I'll
2: yeah, unless I unless. Unless I called you from after I was done taping the golf show, or, I could just sit somewhere or, and plug or, in my phone. Or,
0: yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. It's gonna be a Zoom thing, so maybe we'll just do it by Zoom and you know. Okay. Or maybe I handle we'll we'll talk about it off there. So. Okay. Uh but thank you, Michael. Uh thanks again
2: to Thank you for getting Pat Croach. And I, look, you got his contact info, right?
0: I think I still have it somewhere. Yeah. No,
2: you better No, well, he gave it to us. It was 612. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, okay,
0: don't don't read it off off in the air.
2: Well, he already said it on the air.
0: No, he didn't. I had stopped oh, the recording. Sorry.
2: I'm sorry. No. You get that thing because I want it. I, I I might have it in my phone, but I don't think I still do. Um, uh, and I could probably get it from Mark Benaventa, Yeah. But if we if we got it cuz I would Love to have his number. You never know when that could come in handy.
0: Yeah, and uh, Pat is Pat. That was one of our best interviews, and I, I loved every minute of it. So uh, thank you to Pat for joining and, us. And
2: tell people to please read that Larry Platt story.
0: Please read the Larry Platt story and, and
2: the Michael Smurkanius sh-
0: interview uh, that's embedded in it. And more yes. importantly, uh, you know, go to the American Cancer Society's uh, Healed, uh, which is the uh, A- ACS Healed is the website. Go through the American Cancer Society. You can find it. Or just run a Google search and you'll find it.
2: It, it sounds like, Kevin, a very cathartic
0: carth- thing yeah.
2: that he's trying to do, which is he's not saying I can heal you or I can make you better necessarily, Yep, but I can maybe make your outlook better. Yeah. And that's half the battle, right? That's what they always say when, you, when you're fighting something like that is – you know, because if people give up then then you're done you're you're you know, and just because you don't give up doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna have a happy ending either, but um, you know, and you went through it, so I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know um but I, and I think sometimes it's worse on the people that don't have it that are in the family um and maybe it makes sense for them to go on this healed thing, yeah to try to get better ideas of how to deal with it,
0: yeah, anyway. All right, thank you, Mr. Don't Kern. Make a pizza, man I will. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next week. Our thanks to Pat Croce for joining us. Have a great week, everybody. Happy Mother's Day to the moms out there. This has been working the beat.
2: Well, you went uptown riding in your limousine with your fine pal.